0: Uh, well, thank you for that. that was, yeah, thank you so much for that. Uh, just another round of applause, I think, just for all the effort they've put in. Uh, thanks. you. Yeah. Well, they, the children have so adequately shared so many uh, wonderful prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ as God's Son. Many prophecies that spoke about uh, the coming of the King, Uh, written many hundreds of years before Jesus came and walked this earth. Uh, And now as we head into uh, a sermon, I'd love to share a sermon with you now. Um, I want to turn again to one of those prophecies that were read before uh, from the book of Isaiah. As we consider the significance of Jesus coming into the world and how he brought light in the darkness. And so for our scripture reading uh, today for the sermon I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Can I invite you to turn to to that passage in your Bibles? Isaiah 9, from verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Uh, That is the reading of God's word. Uh, Can I just pray now? I invite you to pray with me as we... uh, As I open up the scriptures for us this morning, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you uh, that we can turn to it, to hear of the hope of the gospel. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would indeed speak to us now uh, through your word, as we consider the true significance of how you fulfilled these words that have been prophesied here. And as we consider the miracle of your incarnation, and what that miracle means for God's people as we consider the salvation that you secured for us and how you saved us from out of darkness and transferred us into your wonderful kingdom of light father we pray this in jesus name amen well you and i live in what can sometimes be a very dark world Since the October 7 attacks on Israel, uh, numerous stories have been emerging of uh, hearing from the hostages of what some of the things they endured while in captivity. Uh, Many in that time and, and continuing today have been taken hostage over in Israel. There were young children to adults as well, old and young. And there have now been many hostages recovered and many others that still remain in captivity. Some left alone, with limited food, water, and hygiene, threatened at gunpoint, some even beaten, and much worse treatment for some that's terrible to even consider. Understandably, many in those situations describe their experiences as hell on earth. Whatever one's opinion is today, Of the Israeli and Gaza conflict, I'm sure all of us can agree that the conflict like this tells us that there is something terribly broken in our world today. As this conflict adds to the many horrors that continue to occur in places like Ukraine and elsewhere in the world and that have occurred throughout human history. Now, in God's grace, you and I live in a country today that is not directly intertwined in war. But that doesn't mean that we are not without troubles of our own. One ought not trivialize the very real struggles that daily life can present us at different times in our life. Darkness, if you like. That humanity can and does face no matter where one lives in the world no matter how small or great that darkness is. <laughs> I mean, just a personal example this week. one uh, Throughout the week, I was minding my own business, uh, and a, a rough character just sort of went past on their bike, and they basically just threatened me, called me a loser, and, uh, and for no apparent reason, I was just minding my own business. Now, today in Isaiah... This is probably one of the most well known passages that the church knows in general. Uh, many churches turn to this passage at Christmas time, and uh, for good reason. For it contains one of the many beloved prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. This prophecy was originally addressed to a people who they themselves faced great darkness. As we consider their situation today, God is going to teach us too what it means for us to face the darkness of this world with God's help through the gospel. As we learn how deep that darkness really is, but also that there really is light at the end of the tunnel for God's people, enabled to experience God, God's light in the face of darkness. And so as we consider our passage here this morning, uh, and what does it mean to really uh, experience God's light, uh, I want to consider what is the path to experiencing God's light? And the path to experience God's light begins with truly facing and acknowledging the depths of the darkness that exists in this world. But not only that, it involves truly recognizing our complete inability to overcome it ourselves. Uh, Who are these people in our passage that face this gloom and darkness? Who, if you look at chapter 8, the chapter before it, are said to be a people who have no dawn who passed through the land greatly distressed and hungry, a people in distress and in the gloom of anguish. While the prophet Isaiah here is addressing uh, ancient Israel uh, as they existed many years ago, hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus. What is the true nature of the darkness that they faced? Well, on the surface level in uh, In a very real way, it included the experience of outer darkness, circumstantial darkness. Isaiah is addressing a people who were on the brink of being invaded by the ancient Assyrian nation to the north. In Isaiah 8 verse 7, the Assyrian army is poetically described there as like the great Euphrates River flooding and overflowing throughout all the land of Judah, wreaking havoc and destruction as it gushed out over the land. This coming military threat loomed over uh, the people of God like a giant dark storm. They could see it coming. What were they to do? Now, you and I may or may not face a similar kind of threat to our life in any immediate sense. As I said earlier, thankfully, war is not something that Australia, at least in a large-scale way, has had to endure for some time. But that doesn't mean that you and I can't face dark moments in life. I wonder if you can think of a time in your own life where circumstances have felt completely overwhelming or overpowering. How did those times make you feel? And if you are here today a believer, what effect did those times have on your faith? Maybe you're here today and are presently going through some struggle or difficulty. Such times can make the Christian wonder, where is God in this struggle? Is he kind of sleeping at the wheel? But that wasn't the only darkness that this people faced. Their outward experience of darkness was matched by internal darkness. At this point of Israel's long history, the people of Israel had fallen into deep apostasy and idolatry. Having set aside... uh, having been set aside as God's chosen people, a people treasured uh, a, a, a possession of God among the nations, they had rebelled. They had turned their backs on God and as such were proving to be a people who were in deep spiritual darkness. Rather than to seek God's face in the face of nationwide calamity, seeking the Lord in repentance and faith, Even then, they would refuse to come to him. Again, in the previous chapter, in verses 19 to 20, there it speaks of the people inquiring of mediums and necromancers for spiritual guidance, rather than seeking out God above. I mean, these were people who were in the dark tunnel, and instead of heading towards the light, they were running deeper into that darkness. Now, in today's world, 2,000 years later, uh, we still have quite overtly dark forms of spirituality that are akin to what Isaiah was speaking of here in chapter 8. There are New Age practices and beliefs, star signs, witchcraft, tarot cards, palm reading. The list goes on. These things exist in our world today, in our culture. But for the most part, in our secular culture... Perhaps the most common approach to trying to deal with darkness or facing our darkness and the difficulties that we do in life without God in the picture perhaps has to do with our pragmatic approach to life. Uh, Aussies today tend to pride themselves on our pragmatic thinking and conventional wisdom. I mean, when we see a nail, what does it need? A hammer. We see a problem, what do we do? Well, we think, what is a no-nonsense, straightforward solution that I can apply to fix it? We get sick, we go to the doctor. If you're overweight, you go to the gym and drink a few more kale smoothies. If you get stressed, take a holiday. Now, that's not to say that conventional wisdom and help offered by our culture is necessarily evil in and of itself. But how easy is is it for us, even as Christians, to approach the problems that we do in a godless manner, without God in the picture at all? Without taking stock and thinking and asking the question of God, God, what are you trying to teach me in this struggle? Without seeking help from God above in our struggles, being self-reliant, rather than walking in faith, without reflecting more deeply on the sin issue that is the root behind all human problems, the root problem that leads to all other problems, without in our darkness allowing it to paradoxically build a greater yearning for us in the eternal life that we have to come where all troubles will indeed be finally done away with. God doesn't promise us that our problems will immediately go away if we become a Christian. No, in fact, we might very well add more earthly troubles to our life by walking the journey of faith. But what I am saying is that you can't truly become a Christian in the first place unless you recognize your own sin before God. Recognizing one's own deep darkness of soul. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus in Matthew. Furthermore, as Christians, God may very well be using our moments of darkness to grow us more deeply in him. Rather than want to run away from your darkness and pretend it doesn't exist or follow some kind of positive-only kind of Christianity, why not recognize it for what it is before your Maker and cry out to Him? Churchgoer, what darkness in your life, outer or inner darkness, do you need to bring before, your, before the heavenly throne this morning and seek God's help. So that's the first thing that we learn from Isaiah 9 here, within its broader context. How the journey towards experiencing God's light does mean facing the darkness for what it is, and seeing how sin is at the root of all of it. That spiritual darkness is what leads to all other dark to experience God's light we also need to uh, yeah we also need to come to the light our passage encourages us to do in order to experience God's goodness so over against facing the darkness our passage calls us to come to Jesus the source of all light light that God's people really can experience now uh, our passage speaks of The coming Messiah, bringing joy where there is anguish and oppression by enemies. Uh, This Messiah is said to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are are wonderful titles and um, speak of his nature, of what kind of uh, Messiah he would be. These are wonderful, well-known titles uh, in churches. It speaks of this Messiah taking up the mantle of the divinic throne and establishing God's everlasting kingdom. 700 years later, Jesus came to fulfill these words. Born amongst his people, Jesus, Saviour of the world, was Emmanuel, God with us. God the Son coming to dwell amongst us, taking upon and adding to Himself our human likeness. Early in His ministry, Jesus taught, preached, and miraculously healed the sick amongst these same tribal areas of Zebulun and Naphtali in the northern parts of Israel that were conquered by the Assyrians and cast into exile those years prior. And Jesus, having died on the cross and miraculously rising again from the dead, conquered the powers of darkness. Satan, sin, death in itself. This is the hope that the gospel message tells us. As Christians, we can be a people of hope. And having defeated the powers of darkness on the cross, Jesus ascended back Into heaven to take up his heavenly throne. And from there, Jesus now rules from on high. Christ is King. And so, with this wonderful reality in mind that Jesus is right now sitting on the throne, because that is a present reality, the Christian through Christ who sends forth his Spirit can be a people of joy and peace in the now. Knowing that whatever darkness you and I face, we can be a people that say Christ is king. We really do have supernatural help. A number of years ago, a Russian man uh, named Anatoly Burgosky saw a great light. Uh, He was a particle physicist. Part of his job was to maintain equipment on a particle accelerator. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's fine. It's just basically a big machine that smashes tiny atoms together. Kind of sounds a bit fun, right? Well, one day he was working on the equipment and it was reported that he saw a bright flash brighter than a thousand suns. It turns out that he had accidentally put his head in the path of the fast-moving beam in the particle accelerator with particles ex- um, traveling near the speed of light. Now, it's quite reckless in some ways. He, he did suffer many medical issues, but remarkably he survived and I believe is still alive today into his old age. In a spiritual sense and in a positive sense, knowing God in Christ offers the hope of internal light, brighter than a thousand suns, joy and peace in a dark world, knowing that Christ has overcome the grave. Christian, do you know something of that joy and peace today? Is Christ shining brightly in your heart this Christmas season? 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. In Philippians 4, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Christian, what troubles your heart this day, this Christmas season? What darkness is beating you down? Will you renounce your self-sufficiency to overcome it yourself? Will you place those things into the hands of Jesus, your loving Saviour. And remember, Christ is King. But not only does Jesus and the knowledge that Christ is King in heaven give us joy and peace in the now. As Christians, this knowledge means we can also be a people of hope. When we walk this earth, uh, when he walked this earth, the crowds and many of Jesus' disciples wondered if Jesus would be crowned king amongst them. They wondered if he would cast aside the Roman rulers who oppressed them in their day. But Jesus didn't. Instead, he was mocked, beaten, and killed by them, adorning a crown of thorns and headed to the cross. And while today Jesus is in heaven, waiting for the time he chooses to come again, we too will continue to face the kingdom of darkness in this world. Although reigning from on high, the time has not yet come when the powers of darkness will be totally subdued. A bit like the people then in our passage, we too are called to exercise patience and perseverance. And wait. The time of complete peace has not yet arrived. When all oppression will stop. When all war will cease. When our sinful nature will be totally transformed in its entirety. And we see God's glory for what it is. Not only in our hearts, but with our eyes. For the Christian, there really is light at the end of the tunnel. We are called then to be a people of hope, to live in hope, living in a way that shows that we, in our action, in our words, in our attitude, really believe that Christ is king. Does your life show to others that you believe this? Or are you consumed with earthly darkness, whatever that darkness is? look up in faith christian and see that Christ is king on the throne the last question for us to ask ourselves this morning is this is Christ your king have you turned to him in faith paul says in 2 corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 behold Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Jesus says in Matthew 24, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. In biblical terms, in the light of eternity, time is short. If Christ is not yet your King, your Saviour, he urges you to seek him this day while he may still be found. The call of the gospel to all is that of repentance and faith. If you are not yet here as someone who has accepted Christ as your king, Christ calls to you to respond to him and his offer of the gospel, his offer of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is willing to accept All sinners who seek him out. There's nothing too evil that you've done that he can't forgive. No amount of darkness in you is too great for his light to overcome and shine in it. Do you believe it? And are you willing, if you haven't already, to take that step? To do so is to truly rely on him from your heart. Will you turn to the light? Will you turn to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and salvation? Christ is King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you have fulfilled these words that we've read here today that you did come to seek and save the lost. Father, we thank you that your word is trustworthy and true, proven even more so by the many a prophecies that you fulfilled in your coming and what you achieved for your people on the cross. Father, we thank you that as Christians, as your people, you have shined your light into our hearts through the gospel. And Father, as we consider the dark world that we live in, Father, we pray that we wouldn't be a people that face, try and do that in our own strength and face the darkness and difficulties that we do uh, in our own way. But Father, instead to be a people who are reliant upon you, that come to you every day for help and for spiritual resources that we need to live as your people in the world. And we thank you that, Father, you, out of the goodness of your heart, uh, showed your loving kindness to us. That, oh, we didn't deserve it, Lord. You so loved us that you entered on the cross that darkness, our darkness, and took it upon yourself and defeated it. Father, we thank you that we can rest in your salvation. We can rest in the hope of the gospel, knowing that you achieved it for us. And as we consider, Father, what you have achieved for us, we pray that as we go out from here, that we would be a people full of your joy, peace, and hope. And that, Father, others would see that in us, that there is this light from on heaven shining from us, Fill us, we pray, with your spirit this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.